you sick and tired of the financial bondage that's been holding you back? Are you ready to take charge of your finances to cut your mortgage payment in half while reducing your taxes significantly? If yes, then this podcast is for you. Fiscal Fitness and Freedom can pay off the national debt in less than 10 years. So from humble beginnings of just about $500, Scott built a billion-dollar mortgage company. So here's your host, Scott Smith. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Fiscal Fitness and Freedom. I'm Laura Lewis. I'm here with Scott Smith. How are you, Scott? Doing good. Doing good. What do we have for today? <laughs> In a previous episode, we learned a lot about you and we kind of just went through your background and how you got your start. I kind of want to focus on the present. I know you're involved in structured finance now and recently mm -hmm. got some patents approved in that space. So mm -hmm. what have you been up to? Oh, and so those patents, there's about four patents involved. That's in structured finance for private equity. That's one of the ways we met, actually, <laughs> working on those different conferences. So yes, we are, we received four patents in that area. We have more patents that will be coming in. That's been something I've been working on for about 15 years now. Wow. And that is outgrowth of Really, my start in the finance career was as a pioneer in commercial mortgage-backed securities. And my specialty was the architecting the structure so that it was a win-win. It seems to be, that's like the Financial Freedom Act. I always am looking at, finan at financial deals and how, how are they win-wins, you know, and that's <laughs> the way I've used structured finance. And so, yeah, we, I've been working on, it's like, what's the future of structured finance in the alt industry? So that's private equity funds and real estate investment trust REITs. And the exciting part about it is that they are using structured finance now in private equity. It is starting and it's, it's becoming big pretty quickly. I'd always wondered if we'd get these patents in place and then you know, spend the next year, 10 years trying to get them to structure the first deal, you know, but they're structuring deals. So we're, we're going to market and looking to be able to license some of the technologies in the private equity field. I don't know much about patents and financial technologies other than it's apparently very tough to get them. Has uh -huh. this been the case for you as well? Yeah. You've, yeah. Most people will tell you, you can't get a patent for financial right. technology. And that ties to a Supreme Court ruling, the Alice ruling. And indeed, we had received allowances on some patents that I had filed prior to the Alice ruling. And when the Alice ruling came back, the patent office actually came back and said they had to rescind those allowances. So what we've done is we don't have patents on the structure for a business process. That's you can't get that. That's hard to do. We have some patents pending. We may still get in that area. What we focused on is the technology behind how a private equity fund would model a structured fund. So they do certain things in programming and certain things in the computer science. There's certain analytics that come in that we were able to get patents on. And that turned out to be a very effective approach because. That's kind of a very broad patent. Pretty much any structure that a PE fund is doing or will do in the future would is likely to use these analytic techniques that we were able to do patents on. And so that 
allows us to go to market. It allows us to earn some licensing fees from the big PE funds that are doing these structured deals. But it also allows us to evangelize the use of structures that they're not currently using that would be, I think, even more powerful than what they are using today. My view of the future of structured finance and private equity is that it allows a larger audience to participate in a private equity fund. That's good from two points of view. One, smaller investors can get in, different types of investors can participate in the field. And what it does for the field is it brings fresh money in, brings in more money, and it allows the industry to grow. I think that the industry will probably grow from five to $15 trillion in size oh, wow. over, the ne- over the next 10 years or so. It's also going to, and already is beginning to pursue different assets that it doesn't currently pursue. The traditional private equity fund was you buy some companies and you grow them, you merge things and you change technologies, you do different things, and then you turn around and sell them, you know. Sometimes you take them public, sometimes you sell them to another private equity fund that's going to take it from there, you know. And so it was pretty, a lot of standardization in there. But then as it has grown, they've, private equity funds are getting involved in like buying up dental practices, medical practices, surgical practices, all sorts of different businesses out there. And some of the good that does is that injects new capital into those fields so they can grow and adopt new technologies and become more efficient. Some of the bad that does is it sort of standardizes what used to be a more entrepreneurial type of a practice. And so dentists go from running their own business and and it becomes some, some value and they can sell it later to more of an employee of a PE fund. So everything has a mixed bag, you know, private equity also, structured finance also allows lower cost funds to come into private equity. So that can be good for a lot of different reasons. And the reason structured finance does that is you can, the way structure works is you, you have, you have a general pool or fund that's generating cash flow. And as that cash flow comes out of it, those investors needed a certain return to invest which in private equity is around 14%. You want a 14% return if you're going to take that risk. And then if you slice and dice that cash flow and you say, well, look, this cash flow is a little variable over time, but there's always, you know, the senior piece of it, there's always going to be this amount coming in. And so that can establish a double A rated bond, you know, it only needs a return of maybe 5%. Right. Well, so now you have 5% interest money coming into an industry that, these 14% returns. And that can allow you to leverage up the returns to the conventional investor or bring down the overall cost of funds. If you bring the cost of funds down for private equity, they can buy different types of assets. And that means you can extend that industry into other areas of the economy that are not already there. So it can be a huge win-win all the way across the board. It sounds like it. Yeah. You really are. This is like your personal brand is win-win. <laughs> yeah, win-win and new things you can do with financial technology. Right. The, a private equity fund itself is financial technology. So how do you use, how do you extend that financial technology to do more with it? And so that's our goal. So where structured finance has entered into the industry already, it's provided liquidity investors who invested in funds a while ago. So in other words, traditionally, pension fund will invest in a private equity fund and their money is tied up for the next 12 years. 
you know, they, there's a secondary market. They can go sell their interest, but usually they get a discount. You know, they don't, there's a hit. And so there have been the types of funds where they take these older assets and they pool them together. And then they issue senior pieces off of that to give the owners of the assets, pension funds, some cash back early on. So at five years down, instead of waiting to 12, they get cash back. And that cash coming back is supported by a rated bond. So it's a low cost instrument. So if these guys think they're going to make 14% over the long haul and they're paying 4 or 5% on some money, some cash comes back to them, they can reinvest that in another piece. That's, um, right. that's successful right now. People are liking that and there's a couple of variations of it. The other thing that we anticipated in our patents, we, we anticipated that. So the financing behind that, those we'd be able to claim licensing rights from those funds that the other one we call are called continuation funds. And I've long in early filings, I'd say GPs come in, they buy some assets, they mature those assets over a 10 to 12 year period, and then they sell them. Well, they're collecting a 2% fee each year on that money. And then they sell it. They're not, they're not, you know, they make a profit on the sale, but someone else buys it, right? Well, right. why isn't it that same GP buying it? <laughs> with a new fund, right? They know the asset pretty well and they can earn that 2% fee. So that's continuation funds are actually addressing that issue in our anticipation, that sort of sequential financings that go on. And so I think they're not doing enough of right now is on brand new funds, structuring them uh, from the get-go. And that's, that's an area that we hope to go out there and, and evangelize and the way we would be doing the licensing is is likely the rating agencies and investment banks are actually structuring the deal. They're the ones that are concerned about the future of the deal and our patents tie into that. So they they would be the channel partners in essence that take this to market. And since we'd have their ear, we could also talk about some of the ideal structures out there that are not out there now and they could market them in. I think that'd be, we've seen a lot of interest in that already, both for private equity funds and for REITs. Our, our patents apply to REITs. And REITs can be equally structured to equity stack, stack in the REITs. So, yeah, that's kind of, that's my day job. <laughs> <laughs> how are you planning to go to market with this? Is it already in market or how, what's the strategy uh, behind that? We, uh, so we would be working in conjunction with the rating agencies and investment banks, I think, because as, as the deal is being structured, that's when, that's when it would need to be licensed. And gotcha. SEC could be involved in that too. You've got a lot of watchdogs out there, industry groups that exist for limited partners, all concerned about compliance. And this becomes a compliance issue. Okay. And so it's, it's, we just sort of ride on the coattails of compliance and, you know, key to that is we keep fees real low, you know, so no one blinks <laughs> and it's revenue for us. And it's also the opportunity to begin to market new ideas in the industry that could expand the industry. So we would hope that our presence in the work we do is, is perceived as a win-win over time, you know, but I do think there's so much room for growth in private equity. It's it's an exciting field. So speaking on that growth, what do you think the future of structured finance in private equity will be? I think it's going to be, I think all deals will be structured down the road. I think eventually all deals will be structured. New deals are probably a, a north of a trillion dollars a year right now. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's a big industry. 
And if continuation funds get big, you know, you could see that being two, tel- two trillion a year. So just turning over the old deals. And then I think that net asset value financings where that's, that's, those are assets between say the ages of four to seven years, I think they're restructured into a new fund, you know, that could probably be half a trillion. So, but then I think there's real growth on top of that. If you have structured new deals and you're talking about new assets that you can tackle that have lower returns. In other words, here's the way I'm looking at it. The target asset for a PE fund when it was unstructured in the old days had to provide a net 14% return to the investor. How many assets are out there to do that? It's a subset. And if you can bring a cost of funds that you can buy assets that deliver 8% or 10 or 12% returns, there's a lot more of those assets out there. And so that industry can really grow by capitalizing. That's, I think, the future. And we should remember that venture capital is a subset of private equity. So if you bring if you bring the right structures into venture that you can bring down the cost of funds for entrepreneurs starting companies, real good idea. Right. Yeah. I think, for example, I think that in the future, the Federal Reserve will be involved in private equity in buying the senior pieces. So here's what I mean by that. One of the roles the Fed has played historically uh, falls under the category of quantitative easing. QE right. is what it was. QE1, QE2. And that's received criticism and it's received and it's also proven itself. That's where they just literally generate money out of thin air and they put it into the market. Now, the way they put it into the market is they buy treasury bonds and mortgage-backed securities. And so it's another buyer buying these things, which helps bolster the price of these financial assets and it provides liquidity. But it's mostly stimulating that monetary economy. It's not actually impacting the real economy. And so the Fed has been reticent to use quantitative easing and buy they don't want to go and buy in the stock market. They just feel that's that's interfering too much. But they could buy senior interest by the market. And I've talked mm-hmm. to both PE funds and people at the Fed, and they they definitely see the opportunity out there. So it's possible that if depending on how far our economy slides, if it needs stimulus coming out, you might get PE funds might get the Fed buying very low interest rate senior pieces and PE funds. In, in certain sectors, stimulate your economy. Real effective way to do that, and that's structured finance or patents. Doing that, of course, I have a vested interest. They should <laughs> <do that. laughs> yeah, definitely so sounds I, like that's where I think it. That's where I see it going. So you mentioned you have a couple of these patents. Where can people go to learn more about what their structures are and the type of, of oh, patents? Oh, that you have? we we have a website, uh, and it's got a real original name: Structured Private Equity. <laughs> it's very easy to remember. <laughs> StructuredPrivateEquity.com. That site will have more and more information on it. It's sort of a teaser site right now. It does talk about some of the structures I've talked about. It doesn't say much about what we received our patents on and where the licensing applies. That's what we're talking to people in the industry on that right now. We're hoping that we can have a standardized type of just become a part of the usual next hobby. Yeah, structuredprivateequity.com. I think you can contact us through that. So 
Awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much, Scott. This is great. Oh, you're welcome. It's interesting. We could do in another podcast, since you were talking about AI, I'm invested in two other companies that on the board that have some interesting technologies, which maybe we'll cover that in the future podcast in terms of how it impacts the economy, how it impacts the future of work. So, oh, that'd be great. And learning a lot about those technologies. So, (laughs) okay. Perfect. Thank you, everyone. Talk to you all soon. So that's it for today's episode of Fiscal Fitness and Freedom. Head on over to iTunes or wherever you listen and subscribe to the show. One lucky listener every single week who posts a review on iTunes will win a chance in a grand prize drawing to win a $25,000 value. Grand prize drawing for a private VIP mentoring session with Scott Smith himself. Be sure to head on over to FiscalFitnessAndFreedom.com and pick up a copy of Scott's blueprint to discovering your own unique formula to personal success. And join us on the next episode.